Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 34 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first episode, I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And you can find me on all socials at that. So why not give me a follow there? Reach out to me there, uh, especially on Twitter. I'd love to interact with you over there. Bring your questions onto the show, comments, concerns, uh, topics, or anything like that. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow there as well. Leave a review. Tell your friends all that jazz. If you do leave a review, um, I'm happy to read it on the air. Now, for today's show, first things first, I am feeling much, much better. Uh, Last week, I know I was a little under the weather. That caused me to post a day late. And even when I did record, it wound up being uh, certainly not the greatest episode, in in my opinion. Um, I just was not feeling into it. Um, And certainly, you know, my my throat, my voice was was crapping out on me kind of thing. Um, So the episode wound up being quite a bit shorter than I intended. I just didn't have a lot to say because I was so exhausted. So I am back at full strength now, uh, a full two weeks later. And if you didn't know... Typically, what we do on the podcast is we cover two weeks' worth of news as it relates to the Overwatch League and, of course, Overwatch as a whole, uh, including Overwatch 2 when it does come up. Now, for today's show, uh, we're going to be looking back at the past two weeks, so that would be March 10th through roughly March 23rd, 24th. I am actually recording this episode a day late uh, just because I had some life stuff going on. However, I intend to get this episode up uh, by tomorrow at the latest, probably just because I'm going to be recording past midnight. So posting March 25th. Now, this episode, we are going to be looking at a whole bunch of uh, pretty good news stories, honestly. Uh, We'll look a little bit into Washington Justice and their new uh, team facility that they've got going up there. Uh, We'll look at some content creators, some or at least one big signing announced in the Overwatch League. We'll, of course, uh, dive into the Los Angeles Valiants roster a little bit, as well as uh, some players or yet another player making the jump to Valorant, uh, some casting news for the Owl Season 2021, and, of course, uh, some of the fallout from uh, the Sinatra things that we discussed last week. So, Without further ado, let's get this ball rolling, and let's dive on into the news. Playtime's over. All right, our first story is going to be all about the Washington Justice and their 4,200-square-foot team facility. So, I'm pulling this from Esports Insider, written by Tom Daniels, posted on March 11th, and it reads like this. Overwatch League franchise Washington Justice has unveiled a new 4,200-square-foot team facility. The facility will be used by Justice's players for training and official competitions during the 2021 OWL campaign. Moreover, the area will also be utilized to host fan events and includes a, quote, full retail shop experience, end quote. According to the release, the new facility is expected to provide fans with more ways to more ways than ever, to engage with their local Overwatch League franchise. Mark Ein, Washington Justice's owner, commented, quote, 
When we first launched the Justice, we committed to bringing a best-in-class esports franchise to the DMV region. Following on the incredible success of the of playing live in front of packed hometown crowds at two homestands at the iconic Anthem, we are proud to continue finding innovative ways to engage with our fans, even through the challenges that COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic has presented. With our new facility, we will be able to offer our players an unparalleled competitive environment while offering our fans ways to interact more often and in ways than we never could have before, all while being located in the center of downtown D.C. Some of the facility's fan engagement opportunities listed include hosting social distance watch parties and offering exclusive merchandise drops. The organization also revealed that the facility is ready for Washington Justice's upcoming Overwatch League campaign, which kicks off on April 16th, 2021. Grant Paranjape, VP of Esports at the Washington Justice, added, quote, We are thrilled to bring esports back to our local fans and provide a world-class training environment for our players. This innovative new facility enables us to create a best-in-class experience for our players and competitive staff, while also unlocking more frequent opportunities for us to connect with our fan base, with our fans, sorry. Being able to accomplish this in addition to giving our team access to some of the very best DC has to offer is an incredible moment for our franchise, and we look forward to welcoming you all there soon. Esports Insider says, Washington Justice's new training facility will benefit the OWL franchise in terms of boosting performance and practice levels. The implementation of a fan engagement opportunities, such as the watch parties, will also help push the team's brand even further if marketed correctly. Overall, this is a huge victory for Justice and its fans. So let's talk a little bit about that because this is actually a, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is really exciting to see. Um, And I think this cross your fingers, means good things for other teams as well. Um, hopefully, Washington sees some success with what they've uh, got planned with this facility because it would be very exciting to see other teams adopt this kind of thing. Um, the simple fact of, uh, you know, teams not necessarily having sort of a, a go-to space for a watch party um, or a go-to space for something like getting merchandise. Obviously, in past seasons... Uh, merchandise has all been handled um, uh, through Fanatics and with that changing this kind of opens the doors to teams being able to have a you know their own team shop or uh, something like that where they can do this kind of thing obviously that wasn't necessarily an option in the past now on top of that obviously this gives the team a dedicated uh, training and practice facility as well as uh, you know for as long as COVID keeps things online rather than in person it gives a dedicated uh, space for uh, for actual competition as well and in my mind one of the nicest parts about that is the fact that you no longer have the or in a lot of ways you no longer have the debate of okay so a team lives in a team house where they also practice six days a week where they also are playing games, you know, anywhere from two to four days a week in, you know, during the regular season, that kind of thing, or during past seasons. Um, And in a lot of ways, I think there there have been articles and things about how that's a contributing factor to a lot of the burnout, a lot of the retirements, a lot of the uh, mental health issues that some of the players are are experiencing. Um, You know, when you live in a singular place and that is your workplace and that is your dedicated uh, uh, living space as well. You know, you walk down the hall and there's your kitchen. You walk down the hall, you go back to your room and your desktop computer sitting there and now you're grinding it out uh, 
even even on your off day for playing Overwatch for 12 to 14 hours. Um, you know, it, it all contributes to this sort of mental uh, mental drain on a lot of the players and staff. Um, so obviously some teams do that and do it well. I think, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think what we see with a team like San Francisco is they obviously do it very well. Now their track record in past seasons obviously contributes to that. Um, but we've also seen places like uh, the Vancouver Titans who have struggled with that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, all the rumors are that their their living quarters and practicing facilities were definitely nothing 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 to write home about. Um, you know, in I think there were some rumors that it was nothing more than like a in a lot of ways a concrete cell that the players were were thrown in. Now, obviously that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I digress. Um, so anyways, this I think only means good things for the Washington Justice as a team and organization, but also as a um yeah, as a future development for everyone. Um, and to my point before, hopefully this means that, you know, players will be able to separate their work and uh, and life a little bit further than they may have been able to in the past. So next story we're going to move on to is coming from Liz Richardson over on .esports.com, posted on March 11th. And this is Agilities joins Toronto Defiant as a content creator. There's no place like home after a rough year. After weathering situations out of his control and all-around bad luck during the 2020 offseason, Brady Agility's Girardi will be joining the Toronto Defiant as a content creator, the Overwatch League franchise announced today. Uh, once again, this was March 11th. The native Canadian previously played for the team during the 2020 Overwatch League season, filling the flex DPS role. After finishing in 15th place overall, the Defiant decided to rebuild in a different direction for 2021, and Agilities was dropped along with many of his teammates. The Los Angeles Valiant immediately signed him to its 2021 roster alongside multiple other Western players. As the team where Agilities began his Overwatch League career, many fans saw it as a prodigal son returning home. Just months later, the Los Angeles Valiant dropped all of its players and staff before relocating to China for the 2021 season. Players, including Agilities, were taken by surprise and quickly found themselves without jobs. Agilities said he, he likely wouldn't compete in the league due to this series of events. Known for his stellar DPS play and positive attitude, Agilities will now be creating content as a part of the Defiance creative team. This won't be the first time in front of a camera, though. Agilities was part of some of the Overwatch League's most popular content, including Gamer Snacks, produced by the Los Angeles Valiant. Agilities joins Francine Fran Vo and Nathan Karkyu Chan on Toronto's list of partnered streamers and content creators. So obviously I wanted to highlight that story as a fan of the Toronto Defiant and uh, the Overactive Media Organization as a whole. Uh, they are, of course, the parent company that owns the Toronto Defiant. Um, you know, friends of the show, if you will. Um, so really a big announcement because I think everyone, uh, everyone who is a fan of agility certainly wanted to see him remain in the league, wanted to see him have some level of success because he is certainly a skilled player. Um, and when he was going back to the Los Angeles Valiant, I don't think anyone was too upset with that. Um, the Los Angeles Valiant in the past season, uh, season three of the Overwatch League, as we all know, definitely didn't have the most stellar season. But I think the general consensus was that uh, they were dealing with some budget constraints. And because of that, they actually had a very successful season for where they were at. Um, 
Uh, I know their their former coach, Packing Ten, was was very well liked among the league and uh, very well respected for doing as much as he was able to with the constraints they were under. So certainly the Los Angeles Valiant of the past season was uh, nothing nothing to scoff at. Lots of very skilled players. Um, so Agility's going back down there after uh, not doing so hot in Toronto uh, was definitely something that I think fans of Agility's and the Los Angeles Valiant were looking forward to. Um, obviously, the Los Angeles Valiant uh, relocation we've already talked about, um, and it really was a shame just to see all of the staff and players dropped as they were. But ultimately, it's really exciting to see Agilities coming back to Toronto in this way, um, in any way, really. Uh, and I think we're all looking forward to seeing what he can do with Karku and Fran. Karku, um, obviously, one of the uh, one of the more well-known, I think, content creators in the league, at least, um, at least in the Toronto market for sure. Um, and with Toronto also bringing Fran on board and now Agilities, I think uh, Overactive Media and the Toronto Defiant are uh, are shaping up for a banner year. Um, even if uh, the team itself doesn't necessarily place as high as we might hope, um, I think they. It's clear that Toronto has a strategy that definitely goes more for an all-encompassing look um, in terms of of uh, that community engagement, the marketing, um, and building the brand as a whole, um, not necessarily uh, building it as a championship brand. But hey, you never know. We will certainly see what Toronto is able to pull out of their hat this year. Now, moving on to the next story, we have a much-anticipated and also fairly much rumored uh, signing to announce from March 15th, this time on DottieSports.com. Once again, Liz Richardson coming through for us. She writes, Rascal joins the Philadelphia Fusion. After months of speculation and fans begging for him to be picked up by an Overwatch League team, Kim Rascal Dong Joon has found a home with the Philadelphia Fusion. The former San Francisco Shockflex DPS has been a free agent since October 2020 when he was released by the two-time championship team. And today he posted a selfie from the Fusion practice facility alongside multiple members of the team, indicating that he's joined the squad in South Korea. In his announcement tweet, he referenced an incendiary message he sent the Philadelphia squad during the 2020 Overwatch League playoffs. What goes around comes around. Rascal has been silent about his plans to join another team during the entire Overwatch League offseason, but posted vague hints about the process in late February. Earlier this year, he told his Discord community that he had found a team, but wasn't allowed to stream from the team facility until he was officially announced. Rascal had one of the most dramatic and illustrious careers in the Overwatch League. He started his journey as a part of the London Spitfire, but was acquired by the Dallas Fuel shortly after the inaugural season began. Rascal's time with the Dallas Fuel was short, and he was dropped after management accused him of an, quote, unwillingness to communicate. After dropping down to Overwatch contenders on NRG Esports, the San Francisco Shock bumped him up from the Academy team before the second season began. Rascal spent two years as the Shock's clutch flex DPS, learning new heroes like Baptiste and Echo at unbelievable speed. The Shock parted ways with him after the 2020 season ended. While Philadelphia is stacked with DPS players already, the team might be suffering from visa issues with European and Middle Eastern players struggling to get to South Korea. Flex DPS EQO hails from Israel, and new additions Shockwave comes from Denmark. The visa process from these countries has been slow due to COVID-19 variants in the region. 
The Philadelphia Fusion will be playing from South Korea as part of the East region during the 2021 Overwatch League season. Philadelphia's first game will be against the Seoul Dynasty at 7 a.m. CT on April 17th. And then they actually have an update here. Update March 15th, 2.50 CT. The Philadelphia Fusion have officially announced Rascal as part of its 2021 roster. And they then have the tweet embedded there from Philadelphia Fusion. We've got some sirens going off. It says, it's official in all caps. Let's welcome at Rascal to the Fusion family. Now, first things first, I want to point out how the F did Rascal get at Rascal on Twitter. That is crazy. I wonder if he paid for that. Anyways, that's a sick handle to have. So, uh, Rascal joining Phil the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, you know, not incredibly surprising, just because, I, it, like I say, it was heavily rumored. Um, but at the, uh, I think Halo, uh, at Halo of Thoughts on Twitter, had, uh, I, I don't know about broke that news, but had unveiled that, or leaked that, is the word I'm looking for, quite a while ago. Um, but obviously it was uh, taking some time to really come to light, but exciting nonetheless. And I've just pulled up uh, Philadelphia Fusion's roster for the upcoming season. Looks like we have EQO on DPS, we have Carpe on DPS, we have Rascal on DPS, and we have Shockwave on DPS. So, of course, uh, you know, everyone knows Carp. I mean, everyone knows every single one of these players. If there were one that people weren't too familiar with, I would wager it's probably Shockwave, who came onto the Vancouver Titans uh, roster after the rebuild last year, and uh, needless to say, sent at least some some good Shockwaves through the league. Um, you know, obviously he did something right if he was uh, picked up by the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, and so Rascal coming in, do I think he's benching any players? There's a chance that that is happening for sure, but as Liz uh, points out there in her article, there are also rumors of some visa issues with certain players. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, EQO was the one that people were saying might be the kind of holdup, and I believe her article there said that he's actually from Israel, which I did not know. Um, but anyways, bringing Rascal onto this team should definitely mean good things um the only real question is has he broken those habits that you know uh found him in some hot water in his first season and moved down to contenders who knows really um there were rumors circulating that that's actually why he was dropped from san francisco as well so maybe it's an attitude thing maybe it's an ego thing we'll see what happens certainly and uh uh ultimately i think we're all just glad to see him playing in the league for another season. Now, next up we have an article that reads, Activision Blizzard Esports Restructuring, 50 Employees Face Layoffs. And this is from Esports Observer, posted by Adam Stern on March 16th. Activision Blizzard Esports today will announce a restructuring that will result in the layoffs of about 50 people, moves that top executive Tony Peretti, Petiti, Petiti, says are a result of how the group has had to reinvent itself amid the coronavirus pandemic. In an interview this morning with SBJ eSports Observer slash TO, I don't know what that is, Petiti didn't divulge specifics on what roles would be affected, but he did note that the division, which runs the Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, is planning for a future where its business will look different and less dependent on live events. 
The company said it retained the vast majority of its staff during 2020, but is now having to implement change. Activision says it is informing those who are losing their jobs today that they will receive proper severance packages. Petiti made clear that ABE, Activision Blizzard Esports, isn't moving 100% away from live events, and on the contrary, will look to get back to them to some extent when possible. However, OWL and CDL have changed the concepts of their leagues during the pandemic from live, in-person, home, and away events that compared to stick-and-ball leagues to now running entirely online. It's possible that the only online play could make up a significant, although not entire, part of OWL and CDL's schedules long into the future. He acknowledged that the cuts are due to a mixture of needing to cut costs and also reallocate certain resources to other areas. Quote, We learned a lot last year in terms of how leagues can be structured for online play, and we'll look to carry forward the best practices from that. End quote. Said Petiti, who joined Activision Blizzard as president of sports and entertainment last August after a long time at MLB. Quote, In terms of timing, it's a reaction to the realities of how the leagues are playing and what resources we need to allocate to better serve the league, owners, teams, and fans, end quote. Petiti indicated that CDL, which has already started in its 2021 season, has seen some growth from last season in key performance indicators, and the company wants to spend more on areas where it feels it can drive higher engagement, viewership, and returns for itself and its partners. Petiti, who reports to Activision CEO Bobby Kotick, noted that there were discussions about how to best structure the league before he started. The decision took time in part because, quote, you never take anything like this lightly. These are our colleagues and something you spend a lot of time thinking about making the best decision you can make, end quote. He indicated that he remains bullish on seeing growth for both Call of Duty uh, League and OWL, the latter of which starts its 2021 season next month, but has had a harder time gaining a foothold in North America than CDL. He pointed to 100 Thieves entering CDL this offseason, Optic Gaming newly rebranding the Chicago CDL franchise, and OWL creating an East Circuit for this season, with teams based in Asia as among the positive developments during the offseason. Quote, the company and the team are really optimistic that we've got something here and can continue to grow both, he said. There's nothing but optimism and a sense that growth is too going to be achieved. So now, one thing that I want to highlight that actually wasn't in this article, but uh, I used this article for kind of for variety's sake, um, they didn't actually touch too much on the, the actual severance that these people got. Now, from what I understand, the company gave uh, everyone that was laid off something like a year's severance. They gave them extended health benefits, um, as well as a $200 gift card to uh, Battle.net. Now... I would like to focus on the first couple things, but I'm going to briefly mention the the gift card that they gave them there. Um, that is, in my mind, kind of like a slap on the ass. It's kind of a don't let the door hit you on the way out. Um, if you ask me, if you're being laid off, a lot of people might be a little disgruntled about that and would probably, you know, toss that kind of gift card right in the trash. Um, so I digress. You know, I personally would probably be like, well, great. Now, now I can, you know, I don't know buy some skins in Overwatch or, or buy the next Call of Duty kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, in that sense, then you're putting your money back into the company that just walked all over you. So not everyone's going to feel like that, certainly. But I personally felt that was a little distasteful. Um, the other side of it is great that they are, you know, providing seemingly a decent amount of severance as well as some other benefits to these people that were laid off. Um, but the larger focus of this should be the fact that if I'm not mistaken, a few maybe months ago, we heard that Activision Blizzard 
uh, had one of its best years ever. They had some billion dollars in profit. And uh, I don't remember what the bonus that Bobby Kotick at the top of Activision got was, but certainly some of that bonus probably could have been reallocated to let some of these people keep their jobs. So obviously I just want to say, um, you know, a heartfelt sorry and uh, hopefully all these people land on their feet and can find uh, new jobs uh, doing what they love and obviously in their uh, respective fields, whether that be uh, Call of Duty League, Overwatch League, or, you know, more generally something like observing or, uh, or I, I don't even know what other positions there might be, but something else in esports if that is what they are passionate about. So moving on from there, the next story I want to talk about is coming from Dexerto and was posted March 18th by Brad Norton, and it reads, LA Valiant unveil full Chinese lineup in controversial OWL roster overhaul. Now, obviously, we've covered a little bit about the uh, Los Angeles Valiant and their move to, uh, to the Chinese region. However, let's dive into their roster a little bit with the help of this article. Despite having a new roster signed and ready to compete at the end of 2020, the LA Valiant dropped its team in January 2021. Two months later, and the new Chinese-based ownership has revealed its fresh lineup. Seven Chinese players were announced for the revamped Valiant on March 17th. Among them are two DPS, three tanks, and two support mains. Select players come boasting previous Overwatch League experience, while others are coming out of two-year hiatuses. Arguably the most notable on the roster is Waya, having previously played for the Guangzhou Charge, along with Crystal, formerly of the Hangzhou Spark. This announcement comes weeks after the LA-based organization let go of its original team amidst a power shuffle. Formerly led by Immortals Gaming, control of the Owl Spot was transferred to LGE, a Chinese-based esports organization. The unprecedented move landed the franchise in hot water as popular members of the community lashed out. In the midst of the transfer, previously signed talent were left with little time to find new homes prior to roster lock. LA Valiant's new Chinese roster will be competing in the East Division of the restructured Overwatch League. The 2021 season kicks off on April 17th as Valiant take on the Chengdu Hunters. So here's what the roster actually looks like. Uh, the article does have this listed here. 2021 Los Angeles Valiant roster. Player, Crystal, DPS, uh, previous team, Ultra Prime Academy. Uh, player, Mola, Molanran? Molanran, let's go with that. DPS, previous team, the one winner. Silver three, tank, the one winner. NVM, tank, retired since 2018. Shoucheng, tank, flag gaming. Hybe, support, the one winner. Waya, support, Ultra Prime Academy. So, obviously, you can see from those previous teams that I listed there, um, there's certainly a little bit of a pattern there. Um, you know, it looks like we've got two players coming from Ultra Prime Academy. That was Crystal and Waya. We've got three players coming from the one winner. That was Molanran, Silver 3, and Hybe. And then, of course, we have Shochang coming from Flag Gaming. And NVM retired since 2018. So... In all honesty, I will leave the breakdown of uh, how people suspect this team is going to do to brighter minds. Uh, I would point you to the latest episode of Palat Chat because um, they did a really good job going through all of these players and their expectations for the team. 
Um, spoiler alert, nobody was too high on this roster. Um, and especially there's, you know, someone like Crystal is a bit of a controversial pick, but I'll let Platt chat talk a little bit more about that because they know it better than I do. So regardless, I think uh, this announcement has basically put the Los Angeles Valiant, the new Los Angeles Valiant, at the bottom of most people's power rankings for this season. So there is hope that Vancouver will not be at the bottom. Next up, we have an exciting announcement for Valorant. That's right, I said Valorant, not Overwatch. But we will all know why in a second here. Uh, this comes from Dexerto, posted by Bill Cooney on March 19th. T1 signs former Overwatch League champ Ons to Valorant roster. Ons was one of the San Francisco Shock's go-to DPS players during their 2020 championship run, and now he'll be taking his infamous pinpoint accuracy to Valorant for T1. While definitely disappointing for Shock fans, it's not really a surprise seeing the Korean sniper take off. He retired from competitive Overwatch for almost all of 2019 before returning to help the Shock win it all in the 2020 playoffs. The addition of Ons brings T1's Valorant roster up to six players in total, so it remains to be seen how exactly he'll be worked in, or if he'll be taking another player's starting spot. He joins what's become a trend of successful Owl players jumping ship for a shot at Valorant, so he'll have plenty of other former Watch Overwatch former Overwatch players as company in the growing esports scene for Riot's shooter when he does start playing. So, wanted to bring this one up for obvious reasons. Um, Ons was a huge, huge, huge part of the San Francisco Shock Championship team in 2020. And uh, obviously on the show we had talked about how um, he was retiring after uh, being quite open about some of his mental stresses and mental challenges he had throughout the past season. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was one point where he actually flew home. Uh, I can't remember if he's from Korea or China, but uh, he flew home to get some medical help from from there just because he was not doing well and he was struggling a lot mentally. Um, so certainly when he announced his retirement, um, as I had as I spoke about before, it was sad to see him go, but at the same time understandable and uh, we obviously wished him the best at the time and hoped that he could uh, be healthy and all that he could be. And obviously now with this announcement, we see he is coming around and uh, moving over to Valorant. So round of applause. Hopefully my mic picked up some of that and it wasn't too awful sounding. Round of applause for Ons because it's really exciting to see him uh, continuing on in, in professional esports. And certainly if uh, if anything was going to get me into competitive, competitive Valorant, uh, this might just be it. And I might just check out T1 because uh, I would love to see Ons clicking some heads again. So that's that for that. Next up, we have another article from Liz Richardson over on .esports.com, this time posted on March 21st, and it reads, Uber Shouts and Mr. X returning to cast Overwatch League in 2021. One of the Overwatch League's most iconic casting duels will be coming back for the upcoming 2021 season. In a video detailing his freelance casting over the league's offseason, caster Mitch Ubershouts Leslie confirmed that he and Matt Mr. X Morello will be returning to the talent team as of April 1st. The fourth season of the Overwatch League begins on April 16th. Uber made the video to inform his fans of his activity over the past few months, which included casting Valorant matches and hosting a podcast related to the esport. He was also involved in Brawl Stars casts. 
Due to this extensive freelance work, many Overwatch League fans were concerned that he'd be switching gears and focus on another title. Higher ups at Valorant producer Riot Games had conversations with Uber about casting, according to the 29-year-old, but he was ultimately, quote, ghosted and passed aside for the Valorant Masters Tournament. In the meantime, Overwatch League Vice President John Spector and co-caster Mr. X, who now works internally at Blizzard Entertainment, laid out positive plans for the future of the league. Ultimately, Uber said the Overwatch League offered him a contract that emphasized longevity and the growth of talent within the league. Due to exclusivity with the Overwatch League, Uber won't be casting Valorant uh, games during the season, but will be allowed to continue his podcast. Mr. X and Uber are the first casters to officially announce their return for the 2021 season. So, uh, you know, if if uh, we gave Anza a round of applause there, we should definitely give Uber Shouts another round of applause as well. Because, hooray, I think, uh, at least I personally love Mitch. Um, I think he's one of the uh, one of the best individual casters uh, that does cast the games. Um, you know, certainly, I think in the Overwatch League, I don't think there's any shortage of great casters. Um, you know, I think most people would probably say that Bren and Sideshow have some of the best dynamics between the two of them. Um, and I think they, they really shine together. But definitely i'm excited to see mitch come back because uh his his sort of style his brand his honestly his when i say style i don't just mean his casting style i mean his his fashion sense um are something that the league was would sorely have missed without him so really exciting to see him coming back and also actually exciting in my mind to see mr x uh come back as well i think matt was a little bit more of a question mark honestly just because he had uh, seemingly moved away from casting and moved to this internal role with uh, Blizz Activision Blizzard Esports. Um, so I really did wonder if he was going to be, um, you know, on camera in terms of the production anymore. Um, so exciting to see that uh, that Uber is announcing both of them are coming back together now. So let's move on. Next up, we have sort of a combination article here. Um, the first article reads Echo confirmed as the Fleta Owl MVP skin. And that was written by Robert Haynes at The Game House on March 22nd. And the second article will tie directly into that, but I'll bring that up in just a moment. So, uh, Robert Haynes' article reads like this. As is tradition, the MVP of the previous season of the Overwatch League is given an MVP skin to commemorate their incredible season. The Season 3 MVP was Fleta, and thus he will be getting his own skin in the game. Fleta decided to do a good and evil theme, that, and that his hero would be the most recent one released, Echo. Here's a look at some of the details, and what will be officially revealed tomorrow, March 23rd, 2021, for the Fleta MVP Echo skin. So they've then got a, you know, a few teases uh, that the Overwatch League tweeted out, as well, uh, featuring some players getting their first look at the skin. Um... Just a, a short little video clip there, as well as you get a little, a couple little screenshot snippets of some of the uh, details and features of the Echo skin. So they've got Fleta's uh, MVP skin Devil, they've got Fleta MVP skin Angel, they've got Angel and Devil. As one can see, it looks like the Fleta MVP Echo skin will truly be a half devil, half angel. This will likely be a very popular skin for a few reasons. The first is that Echo is a pretty popular hero due to being the latest one released for the original Overwatch. Also, her kit is a ton of fun. 
To add to this, Fleta is a popular player amongst fans from the East and West, so they will be wanting to pick it up to support him. Lastly, there is no doubt this, this skin will likely look extremely good in and out of the game. If there's one thing Overwatch is still great at, it's pumping out amazing skins. So I definitely agree there. Um, I personally am a huge fan of skins. Um, you know, I, I know the game gets shit on a lot for for not really pumping out any new content and just you know doing skins and and uh, sprays. Now I am not a fan of sprays, but I personally think they do a great job with the skins, and I want more, more, more. So second article relating to this is from Liz Richardson, as I mentioned, .esports.com, March 23rd, and it reads, Fleta's Overwatch League MVP Echo Skin is now available. And so this was posted March 23rd, so that was yesterday. It's a little good, it's a little evil, but the Overwatch League's newest MVP skin definitely isn't ugly. Kim Fleta Byung-Soon, the League's 2020 MVP, has long been a terrifying DPS on both the Seoul Dynasty and the Shanghai Dragons. Last season, he took to the skies as Echo, beaming down backlines with ease, and thanks to his performance on the Hero and many others, he earned the MVP award. To commemorate his performance, he chose Echo to receive the League's annual MVP skin. In a video posted by the League, Fleta said that he requested a, quote, half-angel, half-devil, quote, skin to represent him as a person. Outside of Overwatch, Fleta considers himself a calm, cool person. Once he steps into a competitive atmosphere, however, all the evil comes out. The new MVP skin, titled Good vs. Evil, splits Echo in half. Her top and left side are angelic and feathered, representing all that is good. The other wing and her bottom half erupt into flames and embers. While it's a spot-on interpretation of Fleta's request, the details and animations in the skin are immaculate. Echo's Good vs. Evil skin is now available in Overwatch for 200 Overwatch League tokens. Now there is one more note on this, the end of this article that I'm not going to read because it's a spoiler for our next uh, story there. So, um, I'm just trying to take a peek here. It's funny actually, Liz doesn't have any pictures of the skin in this article. Um, but of course, if you do want to see that, you can of course log into the game and check it out through the Overwatch League store. Or you could, I'm sure, just Google around and you'll be able to find it. It is a pretty cool one. My, I'm a little bit torn on it. Um, you know, first things first, I'm definitely not a skilled Echo player. Um, I personally think I'm hot trash at Echo. But every now and then, you know, you get on a roll with a, a character and suddenly you really learn the ins and outs of it and then you're an ace at it. That's that's my personal history. Um, so anyways, I digress. Uh, I'm excited for a cool skin for Echo. I love the look and the design and the feel and the kit. I love everything about Echo. I'm just not personally very good at Echo. Now, the one thing I did notice when I logged into the game to check out the skin is that I think when it's kind of, and I mean, this is a problem with a lot of the skins, but when it's kind of zoomed out, when you're just looking at it in the store, I actually think it does look a little bland just because I think the angelic side of the skin with all the white and the feathers and the kind of, I don't know, flightiness of it, it's a lot of white and blue and kind of golds. And I think that almost matches what Echo looks like normally a little too closely. Whereas the devil side obviously stands out quite a bit because it's black and red and fiery, which is kind of the exact opposite of the clean, pristine uh, look of Echo normally. So anyways, I think it's a cool skin overall. Um, I've, let's let's rate it. I'd, I'd give it a 7.5 out of 10. Now, with that said, let's hop over to... Our second last article here, this time over on Forbes, posted on March 23rd again, that was yesterday, and written by Chris Holt. 
This one will cover a little bit of Fleta's skin, but it'll also cover another skin. And it reads like this. The latest Overwatch League Championship and MVP skins are now available. Along with a cool $100,000 and a trophy, Byung-Soon Fleta Kim picked up another reward for being named the 2020 Overwatch League MVP. He gets his very own in-game character skin. It's a new look for Echo, the game's most recent hero. Fleta used her to devastating effect during the Shanghai Dragon's fantastic run last year. Uh, the article then talks a little bit about uh, Fleta's inspiration and everything like that, but I'm going to skip right over that. And we're going to jump down here where the article continues. The Overwatch League released a video showing how that skin and the San Francisco Shock Owl Championship Roadhog skin came together. You'll be able to buy either skin for 200 Owl tokens, and then in brackets, around $10 if you haven't earned enough through viewership rewards. They're available now through the Overwatch League section of the in-game menu. You only have until April 6th to buy them. Meanwhile, the Overwatch League is honoring refund requests. Oh, I'm actually not going to touch on that because I'll touch on that in the next story. Um, so anyways, the, the point in bringing up this article is that they mention the... Uh, the San Francisco Shock Owl Championship Roadhog skin. I believe that skin is called the Midas skin, and it, in my opinion, is definitely a 10 out of 10 skin. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's got Roadhog decked out in what appears to be a uh, sort of WWE-style championship wrestling belt uh, decked out in gold with a gold hook, gold shoulder pads, a gold helmet that is also on fire, and it says Champions SF right on that big old belt on uh, Roadhog's big old belly. So that skin, in my opinion, is definitely a 10 out of 10, one that I will be using and uh, running into teams with on Roadhog as I feed endlessly. So... Exciting stuff for that. Now, the next and final article that I want to talk about this week is going to once again uh, bring up some sensitive topics uh, that we talked about last week. So, I mean, hey, minor trigger warning if you care, um, but honestly, it's not going to touch on too much sensitive stuff. Um, and that said, it does actually contradict a little bit of what Liz Richardson's article said about flooded skin, but you'll understand why in a moment here. This time, we have this article published on Tuesday, which would have been the 23rd of March, by Ash Parrish over on Kotaku.com. Surprise, don't hear from Kotaku too often on my show. Blizzard isn't making any more skins for Overwatch League MVPs. After this year, the Overwatch League will no longer create special skins to honor the League's MVP. Earlier today, the Overwatch League announced the release of two special Overwatch skins, celebrating the San Francisco Shocks' second championship win and Byung-Sung Fleta Kim earning 2020's MVP award. But tucked into the announcement on the Overwatch League website was this little caveat. Don't miss out, as this is the last time a skin will be made for the Overwatch League MVP. The special player skins started back in 2019 when the League released a special hero cosmetic commemorating the talents of the previous year's MVP. Sung Hyun Jonak Bang earned the first such skin, a slick-looking octopus-themed Zenyatta for his talents as the League's deadliest support player. In 2020, Jay Sinatra Wan became the League's second MVP, earning himself an alien-themed Zarya look. Shortly after Wan's skin was released, he left the Overwatch League to pursue a career in professional Valorant, but his skin remained. However, after a former girlfriend released a statement claiming Wan sexually and emotionally abused her, the Overwatch League put out its own statement saying it would remove Wan's Zarya skin and issue credit for anyone who wanted a refund. Now I'm going to read that tweet here because they have it embedded in the article. 
The Overwatch League is aware of allegations made against former player Jay Sinatra Wan. We take any allegations of this nature seriously and unequivocally support victims of abuse. The League is offering a refund of 200 Overwatch League tokens for the Alien Overwatch League MVP skin to players who request one, at which point the skin will be removed from their collection. We'll share more information on how refunds will work soon. The Overwatch League Championship and MVP badges will be removed from the Alien skin in a future patch. Um, I wanted to read that because it does provide some context as to what the Overwatch League actually said in their statement. Continuing on with the article here, Blizzard has also made the video that announced the skin private, deleted tweets, and seems to have removed references to the skin from overwatchleague.com. Juan was suspended from both his Valorant team and any future Valorant professional matches pending investigation. It's currently unknown why the Overwatch League would end the tradition of awarding special skins to its MVPs. It might be because the skins are designed to showcase the personality and signature hero of the winning MVP and are, as such, a kind of lasting representation of them in the game. By eliminating MVP skins, Blizzard might be guarding against a future in which it might have to distance itself from other problematic MVPs. Kotaku has reached out to Blizzard for comment. So, um, this one obviously relates to how we ended the show last week with this story about the allegations against um, Jay uh, Sinatra Wan. And honestly, the league, as they mentioned there, is taking appropriate action, um, allowing people to request a refund. I actually requested mine today. Uh, although it is an interesting idea to have this skin or, or to retain this skin almost in a lot of ways for the sort of historical, uh, I don't know, documentation purposes of it. Um, I personally very much don't want to support that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so I requested my refund, got an email today confirming that I will be refunded. Uh, it might take a little bit of time. And my only hope is that that refund goes through before April 6th when the current skins are no longer available. Um, because I checked today and I only have 156 Overwatch League tokens. So, hey, that sucks. I need 200 to get the Roadhog or the Fleta skin. Um, I'll definitely get the Roadhog one because, as I talked before, I don't really play uh, Echo that much. Now then, back to the article here. So, lots of speculation, um, not necessarily in this article, but online, about the fact that removing the MVP skins in this sense is fallout from what happened with Sinatra. Now, I will also point people to uh, the latest episode of Tactical Crouch Podcast um, because Yiska actually brings up a great point. Uh, this episode just posted, I believe, yesterday on March 24th. Uh, that's right. We just passed midnight while I'm recording. Um, anyways, Yiska talks about the fact that he suspects that this would have happened regardless, um, whether or not they necessarily would have made this announcement in the... Uh, or put that line at the end of the announcement might be another story. But Yisko was kind of speculating that uh, Blizzard might be moving away from these skins as a reward, um, you know, looking at potentially changing sort of the revenue system that they have built into the game um, in accordance with what happens with sort of Overwatch 2 and, and what we can expect to see there. So Obviously, again, speculation on Yiska's part, speculation on my part, speculation on the internet about why exactly this happened. But ultimately, I do think they're making uh, the right call, allowing the the refund and everything in terms of the league. Um, and then, you know, in my mind, it really was a cool way to celebrate the MVPs. Um, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think that skins are 
that much of an advertisement for the league when it comes to your average player, right? I think most average people might see a skin and think, oh, that's cool, and by the end of the match, they've forgotten about it. If not, they go to the store, they look for that skin, they can't find that skin, and, you know, maybe they're just confused, right? Um, or, or wondering what they missed kind of thing. I don't necessarily think that someone seeing this alien MVP skin means that someone is going to go, oh, I'm going to go buy that skin, uh, I'll find it in the Overwatch League store, now I'm interested in the Overwatch League, and now I'll start watching the Overwatch League, right? Um, although you know there's something to be said about that crossover between the competitive side and the more casual side um but ultimately i don't think that it necessarily uh was translating into anything real and concrete that that the league maybe had intended um other than immortalizing those those mvps in the game which certainly is is a cool idea um and i mean now for someone like uh uh for someone like fleta and someone like jonak in the first season uh, it certainly is pretty cool to think that, uh, you know, they are immortalized in that sense. So anyways, I digress. We'll see what happens with Overwatch 2. We'll see what happens with how Blizzard monetizes this game in the future. And of course, we will see what happens in the upcoming season of the Overwatch League. Excuse me for dropping in. And with that, we have come to the end of yet another episode of One Man Watchpoint. That was episode 34 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. If you're new around here, this is a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. As you heard at the top of the show, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And you can find me on all socials at that exact handle i would love for you to follow me on twitter and reach out to me there if you have any suggestions questions comments concerns reviews anything you want me to talk about on the show and i will be happy to oblige you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services around the globe spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc etc so give us a follow there leave us a review tell your friends tell your mom tell your grandma tell your dog um and uh, all that fun stuff. If you do leave me a review on any podcast service, then I'll be sure to uh, read it on air. Now, for today's show, I think we had a great time. Um, I certainly was feeling much better than last week's episode, and I'm actually going to use this episode to try and set some things up for what may or may not be our next episode. I think it'll be two episodes from now. So I'm going to look at the calendar here. This episode will go up on Thursday, March 25th, a couple days late from normal, norm, my normally scheduled postings. Um, but that means two weeks from now will be April 7th. April 7th will be the final episode before the Overwatch League uh, kicks off its 2021 season. Now that, of course, is barring some incredibly earth-shattering news that forces me to record an episode on March, on April 14th. Sorry. So I'm going to have one more episode that will go up around April 7th. It might go up on the 8th. We'll see how we're doing. Um, but I'm going to try and use this episode to pimp myself out a little bit and get some attention and get a guest or two to join me for our April 21st episode. Now that episode, of course, uh, will be in large part a recap of the weekend's games. Um, and that's sort of a, a bit of what I want to have guests for. So we'll see how that pans out. Cross your fingers for me. Um, if, if that does work out, I will be incredibly, incredibly excited. And uh, hopefully that episode will be a banger. So without 
anything else to say, I will sign off by saying stay safe out there, people. Follow me on Twitter, and let's have a good next couple of weeks. Ta-ta for now. Thank you.